Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to those of you up in the balcony this morning. We've got a healthy crew up there, man. Thank you for being willing to be part of this deal up there. <laughs> What's going on? All right. Stuck in the visitor center. I want you to just, just to remind, how many of you have been to a national park? How many of you have been in there and you went into the visitor center and you went, oh man, there's some postcards, there's these cool books. You can even see like a little mini movies. Have anybody, have any of you, has anyone gone to the visitor center, saw the movie, the intro movie, the orientation movie, maybe opened a book, maybe even bought a few little gifts and then got in your car and left and went, man, that was awesome. Yosemite, that was so cool, that visitor center. How many of you are going, yeah, that's, that's the way I roll, right? The point of the visitor center is to help you kind of get oriented, but then to get out and to enjoy the national park, to enjoy Glacier, to enjoy Yosemite, to enjoy the Grand Canyon, you, you name the park. But if you're just stuck in the visitor center, would you agree you're missing out? Would you agree there's so much more than the visitor center in a national park, right? And that's what we're using as a metaphor to think about your spiritual life. I can't remember who it was, but we were at a, at a conference, and somebody said the point of uh, the scriptures, Jesus did not come and die so you could go to church. But that's kind of how we operate. It's like, okay, I guess I'll go to church, and then I... Church isn't, what we're, we, we love what we're doing here, but I'm not, don't get me wrong, but this isn't all there is. There's so much more. So the next three weeks, we're doing a, a series here, Connect, Grow, Serve, Connect, Grow, Serve. Today, we're going to talk about connect, connect, connect. Let me get your attention maybe this way. <clears throat> you know why most people leave the church and they go to another church or they just leave the church? It's because they say... I didn't connect. Wait, you're not going to Ocean Hills? Nah, yeah, you know, I just didn't connect. I went for five. I just didn't connect. I just didn't connect. I just didn't connect. So today we're going to talk about how to connect. We're going to talk about why to connect. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can open it up. There's a passage there in your notes if you don't have a Bible. And I'm going to walk through actually some a, a few different scriptures this morning. But this idea of why connect. Let's just start with the why question. Why? First of all, do you know that the person sitting next to you is going through something right now? They're going through something. I don't know what it is, but they're going through something. And if they're not, they've just been through something last month. And if that's not true, they're going to be going through something Next month. Is that true? 
All of us, we're either going through something, have just been through something, or are going to be going through something. That's life. Life's messy. Relationships are messy. Work can be messy. Family, family of origin stuff can be messy. And so this idea of support, I need support. I I need people in my life that when I'm going through something, they notice, they care, they pay attention, and people need me to notice and care and pay attention. And so why connect? Because we all need support, and the people around us, our spouses, our families, our roommates, they need support. Here's the second reason. There was a 75-year study done by Harvard University. Maybe you've heard of it. So it's, I can't remember the official name of it, but it's now kind of the subtitle is the Harvard Study. They, they studied, they, it was like several hundred men and how to have the best life. What is, like, what's that, the key to health and happiness? And it wasn't money, and it wasn't achievement, and it wasn't being famous. It was rich relationships. After seven, and they checked in every two years with, with this whole hundreds of people. You can get online and, and, and look at the study. And every two years, they, they interviewed these guys, and they, they filled out things. And, it, and, and, and the, the, the finding was the key to happiness and health in life, to, to, to a meaningful life, a rich life, is not my bank account. It's having caring, loving relationships. It's about knowing and being known. It's about celebrating others and being celebrated by others. It's about loving others and being loved by others. And that's not even, that's not coming from the church or the Bible. That's a secular study. And so then the third reason to connect, why connect, is out of Scripture. God, if you read the Bible, He wants a family. And He wants you and me in it. The entire Bible is the story of God building a family. Genesis through Revelation, God wants a family. He wants you in it. And it's this story of Him forming a family and family dysfunction, and family issues, and how do we love everyone always when people aren't behaving the way we want them to, and there's people losing their way, and that's part of it. God wants a family. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. I think we have it on the screen. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. What makes God smile? Think about that. What makes God smile? Well, this verse says, when we respond, when we decide, I want to be part of God's family. He adopts us. That's, it's, it's just our response. We have to respond in faith. But when we say, I'm going to trust Christ, we become a child of God. And I just wrote, uh, Rick Warren's the one who says this. When we begin a relationship with Christ, God becomes our father. We become his children. 
other believers become our brothers and sisters, and the church becomes our second family, our spiritual family. And so let's talk about life. Life is all about love. And so this idea of being part of God's family. God wants you connected. That's the word, connected, connected. God wants you to experience life with others, eating together, laughing together, praying together, playing together, serving, celebrating, all of this. In fact, 59 times in the New Testament, there's a phrase, one another, one another, one another, one another. It's part of God's dream. And uh, let me just talk about for a second, and I'm going to skip through some notes here, Jeff. I know you're, you're on, the, on the screen today. Um, what are some connection killers? There are some of you here that this is really easy. you got so many friends. You got, you got, you're enjoying. You could be giving this message today. And there's others of you, as I'm talking, there, there's a, whew, a, maybe a, a deep discontentment, a, a realization of, actually, I don't have the relationships that I want. I don't have the depth. I don't, I'm not really known. I had, uh, I had somebody in this church tell me, I, I have a friend. I've known him for 35 years. We've been in a men's group for 35 years. He goes, I know him, but... I don't really know him. What does that mean? What if somebody said that about you? I know her. I've known her for three decades, but I don't really know her. So let's think about what are just, I just wrote down a few connection killers. Connection killers. Things that prevent you barriers to connecting, to experiencing what we're talking about, this idea of, of really being known and loved and connected. And I, over the last few days, I've been with a lot of people, so I've, I've had some conversations. So this isn't just coming from me. I've been interviewing and talking to people. And so what, what are these things? One, uh, unrealistic expectations will kill your friendships. They'll kill your connections. And I just wonder... What would that mean for you? What's an unrealistic expectation? So last night, we, a bunch of us were at the Johnny Swim deal. And let's just, uh, how many were there, by the way? It was fun, man. It was great. It was a good time. And I, I saw Scott and Jamie Lasea there, and they're friends of mine, but they weren't there with Natalie and I. They were there with some other people. I didn't get an invite. Why did you invite somebody else to go with you? I thought we were, you're not allowed to invite other people, right? Sometimes we relate to, like, our friends, they can't have other friends. That's unreal. Hello, note to self, that's unrealistic. You don't get to hoard the friendships and control them. Your friends can have other friends, and they, they cannot invite you to something, and it doesn't mean they don't like you. It just means that they have some other friends they want to hang out with without you around, and that's okay. <laughs> Don't take it so personally. Right? Hey, it's my birthday coming up. 
Wait, what? You're having a baby on that day? No, you're not. It's my birthday. <laughs> you just think about some of the crazy expectations. We get paranoid. We get possessive. And you know what it does? It makes people go, bye. <laughs> right? And so, listen to this quote by Dick Foth. I'm reading this book called Known. He says this, and I love it when an author writes this in their book. If you don't remember anything else from this book, please remember this. If we are not experiencing God's love, connection here, if I'm not connected here, he's saying, if we're not experiencing God's love, we will always be seeking from others what only God can give us. They will always fail us because we have expectations from the friendship that they cannot meet. What does that mean? I want you to do some work today. What does that mean? When we know we're loved, we have a great capacity to love others. If we feel unloved, we're like a bird whose wings have been clipped. We can't soar. We can't fly. And so what happens is when I'm open and receiving God's love, it's just pouring into me. I'm aware of it. That's my identity. I know I'm loved. Now there's just love to give. It's overflowing out of me. But if I feel, if I walk through life just wounded and hurt and feeling unloved, I'm a taker now. I need you to love me, and I'm insecure, and I'm paranoid. And, and so what Dick Foth is saying in this quote is, get this right. Allow yourself every day, remind yourself you're loved, you're treasured, you're a one-of-a-kind, priceless, original, loved deeply by God. And you have so much to offer. So there, there's not a shortage, by the way, of love. It's not like a scarcity issue. There's plenty there. So we don't have to hoard love. But unrealistic expectations are going to hurt us in our relationships. Second is lack of transparency. The fact that somebody could be in a men's group for 30 years and go, I know you, but I don't know you. That's an issue. That's a problem. And so this unwillingness to... Let others in. I read a quote in that book that, I was re that I'm reading called Known, and, and this is what he says. Friends, let others in. I love that. It's so simple. Friends, let others in. That's what we do. People that you don't let into your life, you're, there, you're more acquaintances, and that's okay. There's no judgment on that. But who? the question is, who are you letting in? If you're not letting anybody in, that's going to kill your friendship circles, the closeness in your life, because you know what happens? You know that you're not known, right? You know. So you're walking through life and you're going, oh, these are my buddies. They don't really know me. And then here's the third one, and I appreciated uh, this insight from one of our staff uh, shared this with me. It's comparisons. It kills our ability to connect. It kills our friendships. We see each other or we hear about other people 
doing things without us, just what I was referring to earlier. You know, some of my guy friends went away on a ski retreat or a ski weekend, but they didn't invite me. Oh my gosh, I'm ruined. I'm in crisis. I'm, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And that doesn't make me more lovable when I respond that way in my friendships. And when we're comparing and competing with each other, it's going to kill your relationships. Some of us are sitting here today and there are lies that we're believing. Well, if I went to Westmont, I'd have a lot more friends. If I was thinner, I'd have more friends. If I was wealthier, richer, I'd have more friends. If I was married to somebody else, I'd have more friends. If I was single, I'd have more friends. And we believe these lies, excuses, if I, then I, if I, then I. And it's just not true. And so, how do I connect? Let's jump to it. How do I connect? How do you connect in life and here at this church? Listen to this quote by Brené Brown. I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. I'm going to say that again. I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. When they can give and receive without judgment. And when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Here it is. Ready for this? Staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. Staying vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection. And truth be told, some of us find staying or becoming vulnerable, it's really hard. Others of us, it's easier. Some, it's like, there's no way. Your most vulnerable thing is, you know, I put butter on my toast this morning. Oh, thanks. That was deep, you know. <laughs> and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push a little bit again this morning. If you have a hard time being vulnerable, if you're in a small group of friends and, and, and you have some stuff in your life but you're like not sharing it, I want to ask you why. I want you to ask yourself that. Why? Is it my friends? Or what, what is going on inside of me that's preventing me from being authentic, transparent, and vulnerable? What, what, what is the blockage? What is the fear? What is, what is that? Why am I not saying that I'm struggling with whatever that issue is in my life. Why, why is it that I cannot share a struggle? I can't let them know that I'm struggling as a parent, that I'm not the perfect dad, that I have insecurities around my leadership, around whatever it is. What, if that's you, whatever that... what. I want you to press deeper. That's, that's a spiritual exercise. You could journal, reflect. What's preventing me from becoming more vulnerable? If vulnerability is the key to connection, why am I holding back? What is that, Lord? Make that your prayer. 
Lord, this year, 2019, the year event at Ocean Hills, I want deeper connections, stronger connections. I want one friend, two friends. I want a few more friends. Whatever that, but what's holding you back? And invite the Lord into that. Invite God to speak into that area of your life. So let's just talk about how do you connect, the secret to connecting here at Ocean Hills. The word is commitment. If you want to connect, you know, in the early church it said this, Acts 2.42, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, life together, common meal, and prayers. That first phrase, they committed themselves. It wasn't like, ah, I'm going to live life with a better offer. I'll come Sunday, but if somebody asks me to go sailing, dude, I'm out. I'm going sailing. I'm going to go to my small group unless The Bachelor's on, and then, man, I'm watching that instead. That's going to be my new small group. Come watch The Bachelor with me, right? What is your I'm committed unless? If you want deeper connections, it's about commitment. And I'm going to give you five little phrases, and then we're done. Here they are. Five phrases, commitments that we need to make. A commitment to show up, listen up, follow up, open up, and step up. Let's walk through those. Commitment to show up. How do we express love? How do we express love? Time. Some people think that time is the best, the number one expression of love. Making time for your relationships, for your friendships. Showing up to the birthday party. Showing up to your small group. Showing up here on a Sunday morning. I, I, one of our leadership team people, we, we, our leadership team and staff on Saturday morning, we got up early and we showed up to the Team World Vision uh, run at 7 a.m. at the Bird Sanctuary just to go bless and support those of you that are running the LA Marathon together. And we just went down to pray and bless them and showed up. And then uh, somebody on our leadership team ended up running with somebody there, and, and there was a connection that had, you know, they, they were saying, we had this amazing conversation that we've never had before. How did that happen? By showing up. You got to show up to see if something can transpire. Does that make sense? We have to do that. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us not neglect our meeting together. Let's not neglect getting together, showing up for each other, as some people do, but let's encourage one another. The second is, let's listen up. Listen up, listen up, listen up. This is so important. I've talked about this before, but here's what it means to listen up. It's to be curious. The power of the second question. Aaron, what did you do this weekend? You work, me too. Let me tell you about my work. That's what we do. We ask somebody a question and then we make it about us. Who went away this weekend? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you went away this weekend. Okay. Oh, well, I know you went away. Raise your hand if you went away this weekend. Where'd you go? L.A.? Oh, man, that's awesome, Terry. You went to L.A. I was... I stayed at a beach house in Montecito this week. It was awesome. <laughs> you know what we do? We one-up each other. We hear it, and then we go, oh, me too, and, and then we make our story better. And it kills conversation. You start paying attention to that. It's crazy the way we do that with each other. 
Here's a little secret, the power of the second question. Oh, you went to L.A. How was it? Tell me more. Make it about the other person. You want to connect with people? Don't make it about you. Make it a, stay in the conversation about them. Be interested in them. Notice, pay attention to what's happening with them. But our selfishness, mine, I make it about me. My daughter and my wife, they tease me about it. Like, oh, there's dad making it about him again, you know. I'm growing in this area right now myself. That's why I can preach it to myself. <laughs> oh... People who give life to us are people who notice us. Isn't that true? The life givers, the people that, that, that replenish us, that give life to us, they notice us. They pay attention. They listen. They stay curious about our lives. The third is follow-up. I think this might be the most important one. Follow-up. What does that mean? It's checking in with a person after they have shared a struggle, a fear, a heartache, a prayer concern, a burden. So let's just, you, nobody's going to sit in the front anymore because I'll just get a pick. I'm going to pick on Kim Richards. Kim and I get to have dinner together often and, and, and our friends and Kim might say, yeah, I'm I got to travel this week. I got a big business meeting, and, and I want you to pray for me. What would happen if on, and, he, and we, on a Sunday night you share that, and on Tuesday I text you, call you? Just want you to know God put you in my heart. I want to know how that meeting went. You said you had a meeting Monday night. Now I'm circling back, I'm following up, showing I care, and saying, How'd it go? When we follow up with each other, after in our small groups, you know, if I'm a small group leader and you've just shared a real burden and you never hear from me, you're kind of going, wow, I was transparent. I was vulnerable. I guess he doesn't care. He never even asked me about it later. Are you with me? This is another area as a community in the year of in. Let's get better at following up, circling back, because it's the way we love each other deeply. It's the way we care about each other and communicate that we care. We don't forget. We remember. And because we care, we ask about it. Romans 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. Don't just pretend. People that really love others follow up. Then number four, so we got show up, listen up, follow up. Number four is open up. Open up. That's the authenticity thing. I love this little sound bite. Friends confide. They don't hide. Friends confide. They don't hide. I feel loved by someone when they confide in me, when they let me know what's really going on in their life, and you do too. And when you don't know, and then you hear, hey, did you hear the Laseas are moving? I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, everybody else knows, but I don't know. I don't feel in the inner circle, right? I don't feel loved. I'm not, he's not, they're not letting me in. Does that make sense? I'm not picking on you, but I, you, 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 yeah, okay, thank you. 
So I want you to think about scale of one to 10. Where would you say your level of vulnerability, transparency is? Your family, your, your wife, your husband, your closest friends, scale of one to 10. Do they know 10% of your life? 10% of 90%? Where's where where your level of vulnerability there? Brené Brown, love her. Here's her quote on authenticity. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. Pause. Did you hear that? You don't graduate from this stuff. It's a lifestyle. It's the way we live. It's the way we stay connected and stay current. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to what? Show up and be real. The choice to be honest. The choice to let our true selves be seen. If you want to connect deeply with people in this church, in your life, with your family, you have to open up. And then here's the last one. And it's step up. It's step up. You know, I think some of us, we're waiting. We're waiting for somebody to invite us to something. I never, New Year's Eve, I was home with my wife watching Dick Clark New Year's Eve by ourselves. Nobody called me. Nobody asked me to party. Yeah, John, but who'd you call? Nobody invited me. Nobody reached out to me. But who did you invite to your house? Uh, nobody. Well, and see, this is how we walk through life. It's, it's, you're the problem with my life. You're the reason I'm lonely. No, John. John, if I'm feeling lonely, I have to step up. I have to take the risk of being vulnerable and open up, but I got I to gotta step up and invite you into my life, invite you into my home, invite you into relationship and friendship, invite you on a bike ride, invite you into... Are you with me? Let me read a couple scriptures for you, and then we're done. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good for the, at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. What does that mean about not become weary in doing good? What, what if you just decided today, I'm going to start doing good to the people that I work with. When I hear about, I, I, I have somebody, my wife and I, man, our, 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 the hot water on our, on our bathtub was like stuck. I mean, it was like two hands trying to turn on the water. And me being Joe Handyman, I called a friend who I knew could fix it. <laughs> And he came over. And then he took me down to home improvement and he's showing me how to do it and, and, and we fixed it together. But he helped me. He stepped up for me. And I felt loved by him. I did. I felt loved. He helped me do something I, didn't, I couldn't do on my own. And he saved me from calling a plumber. Let us not become weary in doing good for others. Who around you could you help? Help them move into their new dorm room. Help them with something. And then 1 Peter chapter 4. 
1 Peter chapter 4. Do we have that on the screen? Yeah. Um, so this morning, our new church chair, David Given, he led us in this devotion. Just this morning, he took us to this passage. And, I, and the first four words jumped out at me. Most important of all. Does that get your attention? I'm, I want to read the rest now. Most important of all. Most important of all. Most important of all what? Continue to show deep love for who? Each other. Sometimes it's the person right next to us that feels the most unloved by us. Continue to show deep love. Love's a choice, by the way. It's more than a warm, fuzzy goosebump. We're in love feeling. It's a choice. Continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't that an interesting next line? That means we don't rub our family or our friends' noses in their sin, in their mistakes, in their falling short, in their struggles. Love covers doesn't expose it and shame and make them feel guilty and less than. Love covers a multitude. What's the word multitude mean? One? Two? Three? A lot. Multitude, I think, means, I think the Greek word means a lot. Love covers a multitude of sins. And then verse 9. Cheerfully share your home. I'm not connecting. Cheerfully. Not grudgingly. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. What if in the year of in, everybody right here, right now, in this room said, I'm going to actually... I'm going to invite three people into my home once a month, into my apartment. Yeah, but I'm in a studio. I'll come to your studio. Well, some of you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. I'm messing with you in that last part. People want to be invited. What if we said this year, we're going to to open up our lives by opening up, we're going to invite people in for lunch after church. Hey, come on over to my house. I got soup on the thing, I got, and I got room for six people, and I'm, I'm going to do that this year. Or once a month, we're going to, we're going to me and my roommates, we're going to have a party and, and a, a barbecue, you know, in our backyard, the, the house that we're renting together. That if we began to, if, we, if you want to connect, you got to step up. That's the point. You got to initiate. This church is about helping people become self-initiating, wholehearted, reproducing followers of Jesus. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to put your I'm going to invite you to put your hand on your heart this morning. And I I realize in a room 
with an audience this size that we're, we're all over the map relationally. Some are deeply connected. Some are, would say, I don't even have one friend. But put your hand on your heart as an act of commitment to say, 2019, this is the year that I trust God to show me, to teach me, to help me connect more deeply. And I'm going to commit to show up this year. And I'm going to commit to ask the second question, to listen up. And I'm, I'm going to make that commitment in my group life or when a friend shares something deep, to follow up, to circle back. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a commitment that, to open up, to be more transparent, to let others in. That can be so scary for some of you. And I'm going to make a commitment to step up, to serve others, to help others, to invite others into my home. And so, Lord, hear the cry of our heart. We know that you look into every heart in this room. Thank you that you hold those that are brokenhearted close. Thank you that you see the lonely heart this morning. You see those of us that feel disconnected. God, we confess that we'd rather blame others. We confess that we'd rather make excuses. We don't want to look in the mirror. We don't want to deal with the reality that John Ireland has to take responsibility for his own relationship life. And so today we make that commitment. We're going to own up. We're going to own up to our own story. And God, we invite you in. Today, every person in this room, God, I proclaim a better story relationally. I pray for deeper relationships, stronger relationships in 2019 with those right in front of us, those that we live under the same roof, those that we work with and spend a lot of time with. We pray for breakthroughs. We pray for significant conversations. We pray for risk, vulnerability, and love to prevail in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning.